0: Hello and welcome to Cucumber Talks. I'm your host David, and I'm joined by Bryce and Marshall, and we have a special guest today. Uh, Jennifer, is is that okay? Is okay if I call you Jennifer? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) I guess before we jump in, do you want to just share a little bit about yourself?
2: Yeah. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me. My name is Jennifer, and yeah, I am a German girl, (laughs) but I live in South Korea at the moment, since two years now, and okay, (laughs) what is interesting about me, Um, I I became a Christian about almost four years now, and the first two years I spent at uh, Hillsong, you familiar with that name, and uh, yeah, now I'm sharing my experiences on the youtube channel and i talk about his song and i talk about my faith and uh, about my life in korea yeah
1: awesome awesome good to have you
0: on
3: <laughs> <laughs> yes welcome <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, what's the name of your youtube channel for for everybody listening
2: oh uh jenzy's world yeah j-e-n-n-c-y and then world oh.
3: perfect <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll have a link in the in the description.
2: Yeah, thanks, <laughs> and that
3: that's how we found found you, Jennifer, through your YouTube channel, which is is very interesting. I just I think we we were talking about getting somebody on the show who had experience going to Hillsong, just because we all three of us have an interest in in learning about the mega church experience, particularly Hillsong. And I think I just searched Hillsong. I, I forget the exact search term, but you were. You popped up like number one, so you're doing a good job with the the search engine
2: optimization. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm honored. Oh, I did not know that. (laughs) Hmm. Okay. Well, a lot of my, well, still friends or people I know are still attending Hillsong. It's interesting that I'm on the top search uh, when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah, many actually still attend Hillsong, yeah, or also left, uh, like I did, yeah, mm-hmm. over the past years. Mm.
0: So I guess maybe to start this off, um, we we're kind of curious how, how you would, like, define your religious beliefs or your kind of background um, in terms of Christianity. If you could maybe share a little bit about that to start off.
2: Well, I was a non Christian for almost all my life. And then, um, I was uh, for a couple of years where I kind of believed that there was a God, but I was not a Christian yet. I, yeah, I didn't believe in the Bible or Christ. And then, uh, in Hillsong, when I first attended, I gave my life to Christ. Which in hindsight, I'm also not sure if it really true and honest. If I really was saved on that very day. But then getting involved into church and uh, becoming a part of it. Um, and then also getting baptized, of course. Um, yeah, I gave my life to Christ. And um, well, during uh, my time at Hillsong, I was considering myself a Pentecostal because Hillsong says there are Pentecostal. But honestly, I never researched what exactly it means. I have to admit, um I just called myself like that because it was what Hillsong was. <laughs> and um I was so fully into their culture, uh I was serving there um, every week and was on teams and volunteering and all my friends went there. I just naturally, I don't know, I saw myself as one of them and they were Pentecostal. But ever since I left now, about two years ago, and my faith grew and I myself have grown. Yeah, I consider myself now non denominational I don't want to myself in a box i'm not sure (laughs) if that's the right expression but i i don't like this idea that we this is that this is that it's like it's the bible and (laughs) like just read your bible and uh, yeah take direct authority from that and nothing else like Mm -hmm. i don't have to define myself on another term i'm christian i'm a christ follower uh, Jesus died for me, from, and I pray to God and like Christian. Uh, but other than that, I don't want to put like a stamp on it.
3: That's really interesting. Do do, do, does anyone know what Pentecostal means? I have a vague understanding. Marshall? Of, yeah, Marshall, you're, <laughs> Marshall's our designated Bible vocabulary word definer. I'm putting him on the spot
1: <laughs> and try, I think. I I would, what's funny is I would probably consider myself somewhat Pentecostal in the like beliefs, but I'm kind of like you that I, uh, Jennifer, I'm kind of like you in the sense that I don't sort of want the label because it kind of has a lot of other connotations maybe, but the way that I understand it anyway is, is it's kind of, um, emphasizes emphasizes the holy spirit and like a personal experience with god um the big one that you hear is like the gifts of the spirit are still active today so some people i think there's this side like cessationists where they don't think that you can pray and people will be healed or they don't think that people can speak in tongues or or they don't think that uh prophecy still exists like today they think that it ended with basically jesus and the disciples and the apostles and pentecostals are like yeah i'm pretty sure it's the same god that's now like all that stuff probably still happens potentially so yeah in that i kind of personally i actually still agree that like the power of god still works today but again kind of and how, how would you uh how would you rate that definition jennifer of mm, <laughs> of your understanding yeah. of it <laughs>
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, definitely, like uh, the Holy Spirit is very emphasized, mm-hmm. uh, especially also in the worship and and prayer. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I have a story with prophecy, but I'm gonna share that later. <laughs>
1: Yeah. As a church service, you'll often see it being the ones where people are more lively and like worship Mm -hmm. is emphasized a lot more. People moving around, raising hands, clapping, singing, all that kind of thing, as opposed to more like everybody sitting down, everybody Mm -hmm. quiet. Mm In practice, of
2: None of this is wrong. Yeah, if someone wants to uh, praise and worship while sitting and just having their quiet moment, it's totally, you know, every worship, uh, it, like, it can look different. Someone is very excited and jumping and someone is standing or even on their knees. Like There's no judgment in that as long as the worship is honest but yeah of course Hillsong is very famous for their songs yeah the mm. most famous and while I was attending Hillsong actually I met a lot of people that came for the first time and they said oh I had no idea that Hillsong is even a church I was listening to right. their songs for many <laughs> years and then I realized oh they're actually a church and not just a band that's how extreme the emphasis on
3: yeah I could put myself in that category I <laughs> I remember hearing about them for the first time in college when I was attending uh, Assemblies of God, uh, a small biblical college, and everybody listened to Hillsong. And that's all I knew them as was a, a, wow. a Christian band. I, d- I didn't know they were a church.
2: Mm-hmm. And so- they actually have three bands. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <They're Wilson laughs> Worship, Hillsong, Young and Free. <laughs> like they have three, actually. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Which one is the one that wins wow. all of the Grammys?
2: worship hillsong worship hillsong that's worship. the main like the biggest one young and free is for the youngsters the teens and so on mm. and then oh god wait what's the third one the united oh hillsong united okay oh, yeah. this is like i don't know also a little bit more upbeat and for young yeah in the middle
3: so the uh, the worship services were they that definition of pentecostal where people spoke in tongues and um we're very, uh, what's the word?
2: Excited, A-
0: excited, <laughs> flamboyant. Acted, flamboyant. I don't
2: know, uh, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that is, I think, the main thing, or like one of the big reasons that draws attention to her song. There are a lot of videos shared online especially about the yeah worship part and many people say it looks like a rock concert because mm-hmm. people are so excited and jumping and singing along and you know the band on stage looks very cool and with all the instruments and they kind of look like rock stars and it's not so clear to maybe a non-believer if they don't know what they're looking at they might think oh yeah i mean this is some kind of band concert. Like it doesn't necessarily look like a church worth on <laughs> the first glance. Mm. Um and yeah, back when I was a non Christian and I first walked into Hillsong Church, that is what like first struck me as well. I came in and yeah, it felt like a concert and it attracted me since I was from the world back then. When I walked in there I was like worldly. And uh, Hillsong is do that, doing that actually very well to use kind of like worldly things, secular things, and draw like non-believers or new believers into the church and worship being so dynamic at Hillsong main part, one of the biggest things, why people attended.
3: How, how did you uh, end up going for the first time? Did somebody yeah. invite you or did you just walk oh. past it on the street?
0: Or? <laughs> <laughs> well...
2: <laughs> I shared that story on my yeah YouTube channel actually. I think it's one of the first times I actually talked about Hillsong on my channel, and it is when the big you know Carl Lenz scandal was happening. Um, I decided to share my story personally with him, and yeah, because I yeah oh, <laughs> um when I was a non-believer basically, and I kind of believed in God, and I was very unsure, but for me always, I was, I am still am, a very colorful person, and uh, I always was scared to feel judged by, like, yeah. You know? I thought about for many months at that point already to go to a church because I was curious, I wanted to more about it, But I was scared to actually go to a church because I had, yeah, the fear of walking into church and actually be rejected. I think um, many believers, yeah, they have this, uh, yeah, those thoughts that I had back then. I, I thought that Christians are very judgmental and honestly, yeah, I thought Christians are a bit older side and very conservative so me with my colorful look didn't fit into that and that is why I had this fear of rejection I was curious about Christianity but yeah this fear of rejection due to that I stayed away from this whole church culture for a long time and then one day at home I was watching tv and actually German tv and there was a report about well, Justin Bieber and his like hipster pastor, that's how they called him. And, well, that was Carl Lenz. And actually, it was quite a negative report. It was about the time when Justin Bieber apparently hung out with Carl Lenz in a bar and they were caught drinking shots, like shots classes. <laughs> I mean, this cannot be 100% be confirmed. We don't know what they drank, but they were standing at a bar and were having shot glasses and were pictured by a photographer and this report on television was about that they were talking about that like how can that be why does this pastor look so like cool and tattooed and like a hipster and stylish how can he be a pastor and why is he hanging out with justin and why are they drinking is he even allowed to drink and so on like they were criticizing him and kind of oddly like at the same time um complimenting him as well on his style and his looks. And me being well very colorful and fashionable and yeah, from the world as a non-believer, for me that caught my attention. First of all, of course, uh, Justin Bieber was a well-known name in the music industry, and I knew his music and so on. Um, and then Carlens yeah, looked cool, and I was shocked by that that a pastor could look like that. Uh, I never heard of that before. I never knew that, oh, wait, like Christians are not all 80 years old and boring and (laughs) grandpas and grandmas. Like that was my idea at that time, because I never been to a church. I had no experience like and just had these negative thoughts about it. So when I saw Carl, he he caught my attention because of his looks yeah that's what attracted me his looks and i was confused that a christian nevertheless a pastor could look like that and this whole like negativity that we're, they were talking about in that uh, report about like drinking and so on i like all of that was not important to me i w- it, it just i was curious and immediately wanted to know what is this church, like, which church does this pastor belong to and Justin as well. And I searched it up, uh, like Hillsong uh, came up and actually, yeah, I realized that Hillsong is in London, too, um, that they are like a global church. And yeah, in London, they have uh, a campus as well. And I remember exactly which day it was, it was on a Thursday that all happened. And then immediately, yeah, three days later on that Sunday, I went to Hillsong. And that's when I walked into the church for the first time.
1: And that was Hillsong in London?
2: Hillsong London, uh, the biggest campus in London is at Oxford Circus. And they're actually in a theater there. Like they don't have like a church building. Rarely um, Hillsong, other than like Hillsong Australia. And maybe America, I don't know. I've never been to Hillsong America, but in Australia they have their own buildings here and there, like the main campus in Australia. But in London, um, they rent out spaces. Yeah, and um, at Oxford Circus there's a theater um, that they rent out every Sunday. Like on during the weekdays and on Friday Saturdays there are actually theater plays, like regular theater operation. And then on Sunday morning Hillsong moves in with their trucks and no. unloading. And all the volunteers are doing that every Sunday, actually, early morning, Sunday morning, they are un- unloading all these trucks, moving into the theater. And then by the end of the day, late at night, they packing everything up again. Mm-hmm. So if you walk into that theater, um, because it is a theater, it does not immediately give this church feeling. Yeah, it's a different setting. Um, so that impressed me and then as soon as the worship started and this band came on like Hillsong London has a real team I have to say like really great singers and so on mm-hmm. and yeah it's like concert yeah it's like a band playing and all the people jumping and singing and are excited and all the flashing lights they have like laser lights and it does not For a non-believer, if you sit in there, you think, oh, like, this is a concert I accidentally walked into. And actually, that happened many times. Uh, There were times when I um, started volunteering for the welcoming team, like, uh, or all Hillsong song has a bunch of teams, and they all operate different areas of the church. And the welcoming team is there for, well, welcoming new people into the church and, kind of like a, a little bit like hosts um, that when someone has questions they don't know where to go and they look confused I don't know I'm new here I don't know where I am then you are there to help them and welcome them and through that um, yeah many people I met obviously came in for the first time and many of them actually accidentally walked into the theater thinking there would be a theater play And then I was explaining to them, oh, like, actually, this is church here. You walk into, but you're totally welcome to stay, walk in and experience it and see how you like it. And yeah, no obligation and so on. And many people did that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, It's actually kind of (laughs) cool.
2: It it is cool in a way that, yeah, you never know. at, At that time, we said, you know, you never know who God wants to bring into the church and wants to bring to Christ. And we thought, well, that is all like part of the plan. Like that's the Mm. purpose, you know, that people walk in, are, and then they're in church and who knows if, yeah, the Holy Spirit and God can talk to them and grasp their interest. Yeah. Yeah. And actually I saw many people then walk out uh, with a Bible in the hand, like Mm. Hillsong after every service they have like these Hillsong Bibles, which is only the New Testament without the old one, but a complete New Testament. And they actually give out these Bibles for free. So anyone on their way out can take one. Uh, even many people that were not sub- were not planning originally to attend the church walked out, uh, leaving with one of those Bibles in their hands. And that is what happened to me too. Yeah. Back to my story. I walked into Hillsong for the first time because I saw television reports of Holland and Justin. And then I walked into Hillsong London. And then on that Sunday, what Hillsong does at the end of each service, they ask if you want to give your life to Christ. And if you want to, then you should put up your hand. And then that Sunday I did that. Did I completely know exactly what it means? No. And that is why I'm actually not sure if this is the day I got saved or if it was sometime later. But on that day, I just I just wanted to be part of this whole thing. Yeah. What was going on there, which was I still unsure about it. But all I knew is, oh, like this is a church where I can see myself fit in uh, without having the fear of judgment because everyone there was young and just friendly and nice and fashionable and they were like me like I was one mm. of them and that is why I felt comfortable there and wanted to be a part of it
3: so so that first time that first time you were there you did feel very welcomed by uh, the other members of the church
2: yes absolutely yeah like I said there are many teams that are like responsible for that. That is like their jobs, like as volunteers, if you, for example, are on the welcoming team and on that day I walked in and someone saw me like confused and I was, was not sure where to sit, they immediately come up to you. Like they spot you. It's very organized, mm-hmm. yeah? They stand in the corners and stand at the entrances and they are looking for people with confused faces. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, one of the members came up to me and I just thought uh, it's so nice. Like, they were offering me help and like, oh, how can I help you? Are you here for the first time? Um, Like, you don't have to sit alone. Like, yeah, but I was so shy. I was just like, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm just... I was sitting at the last row because I was so shy. I was so scared to be there. I didn't know what to expect. I just Mm -hmm. wanted to sit in the last row, very on my own, alone and be left alone and just take the whole experience in. But the people that offered help and around me were very friendly.
1: It's such a weird experience because Mm -hmm. I've growing up in church, I feel pretty comfortable, especially in sort of contemporary church services when it starts getting more traditional I feel more out of place because I'm I'm not used to that quite as much right but it is this weird experience when you go to a new church because you don't want to talk to anybody cuz yeah you you're shy and you kind of have this you know but then you also do right you you kind of wish that somebody would just sit down next to you and sort of be in your head and explain okay so this is the part where this is going to happen and this is the part where that's going to happen it's really an interesting sort of a challenge for churches you know to try to figure out that that how to how to help in that situation because everybody who comes in i think has the same whether they've never been to church and it's more extreme or whether they're like me where they've been to church a lot of times and i still have that feeling when i walk into a church i still have that i don't really want to talk to anybody but i really do like you know
3: <laughs> and it's a whole different dynamic when you walk in Alone versus walking in with your family. Yeah, because I remember, you know, going to a new church with my family. It, I guess, it was a lot easier for people to engage with a family than it is with just an individual who comes in by themselves. Because I, when I came in with my family, there would always be people that came in and like introduced themselves and and said hello, and asked about us and what whatnot. But then. I remember going to church as an adult by myself a few times, and there would be times when I wouldn't speak to anybody. Mm. Like I would go in, maybe somebody would greet me, say hello, uh, give me the the little what is it the the syllabus for the bulletin day. <laughs> the, the <Brocher>. bulletin, yeah. <laughs> and then I would just go sit by, by myself, like you, Jennifer, and but nobody would say anything, and that was, mm. you know, I, like you, Marshall. I I I was hoping somebody would say hello and I maybe I didn't have the courage to introduce myself. That that's interesting. That that's, that's cool that they have that Mm. whole setup where they intentionally seek out the people who look lost and confused and new. Yeah.
2: That's the whole part of, you know, the big slogan. I think every Hillsong church has in front of their like outside is welcome home. Like that's what they're Mm. known for. Welcome home. So like, and our volunteer team for the welcoming team, that was the main emphasis. Okay, guys, we are the faces that, like, the people see first when they walk through these doors. And our slogan is welcome home. So everyone walking through this feel like welcomed and home, like they can be themselves and don't feel judged and so on. So our job was to show that to people walking through through the gates. Yeah. Uh, no, I know, I... At that time, yeah, it was an amazing thing. Now being away from Hillsong for so many years and just you know hearing a lot of criticism about hillsong and so on, like many people say like Hillsong is too organized, like this too manufactured, like not just Hillsong, like the big mega churches where everything is very calculated what they do. and how honest are these things then? Um, At that time, like as a volunteer and being part of a volunteer team and my colleagues on these teams, like we all had very honest intentions, like there was nothing fake about it, like, oh, let me put on a little smile and fake it today uh, just to, you know, get some non-believer. No, like we genuinely cared, like we were standing there and like, okay, let's see if if someone looks lost and scared. And because I knew that feeling, because I felt the same way walking through the doors, I I could completely understand what someone new came through, and they looked the same way I did when I came through those doors for the first time. So I had a lot of empathy, love for these people. Like we were genuine, but on a big scale, um, from the outside, it can often look very manufactured. Yeah, like. You have to follow these protocols and like eh, before every shift, you know, you pray together and then but you also go through the talks together. Okay, guys, make sure like you smile and everyone comes to the door should see you smile and uh, try to get up, uh, go up to people like you are told these things. You are told these things and you don't think about it twice. Like you are genuine about it and you think, "Oh, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, of course. But then now in hindsight, now that I'm away from this whole, I do see like why people question it and criticize. And I don't know, what do you guys think about it?
1: Yeah, it's weird when I'm really fascinated just by friendships in general and how, because I kind of live my life trying to be intentional about things and doing things on purpose but there's this whole world of, you know, friendships, relationships, you know, spirituality, Christianity. That if you get to, I like the word you said, calculated, like if it becomes too calculated, if you're too intentional about something, then it becomes calculated and people feel like it's manipulative. Mm-hmm. And so it is this weird sort of balance of trying to keep your heart right where you're genuine where I'm genuine in the process, but then being personally, I try to be open to being, continuing to be intentional. Like, yeah, I don't always feel like walking up to people and saying hi, but I'm trying to choose to be that person who still walks up to people, not just at church, but just in general, just be the person who, you know, wears the pink hair or, or says hi to people, that, that, you know? So yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting though.
2: Mm, I guess. Yeah. That balance. That's all finding the balance. And yeah, at Hillsong, I saw, honestly, I saw both. There are many very genuine people, but because it is such a big church, um, so Mm -hmm. there are many very genuine people, but there there were instances too where I questioned the hearts of people, not the nicest to others, or like being too Mm -hmm. outside, like in front of the masses. And then in the volunteer room, only us were... Like I, I experienced that too. It's very mixed, but just to say, oh, everyone is is fake there and everyone is, yeah, dishonest. It's not true. But then the other side as well, like there are, it's not just all uh, coming from a loving place and honesty. There is this calculation behind it too.
3: Yeah. I don't think you can get to that scale or that size without systems, mm-hmm. like systems yeah. in place. Mm-hmm. and. I guess we could get into the discussion of whether it's a whether churches should operate like a business because mm-hmm. you know that what what you're describing sounds like a McDonald's or you know they have the the framework the systems for like how to grow yeah. Mm, yeah and and, then- and that's why every time you go to McDonald's your fries and your burger taste the same because they have the they have the formula they have the steps and everybody follows the steps every time and oh, yeah. that's uh, my hunch is that's why a hill song or any mega church can grow to the size it is is because they have those systems in place
2: yeah how much do you think is okay of that and then right. when when does it get too much like should church be like that should church be so calculating mm-hmm. or yeah should church not think about these things and just let God freely, you know, grow in his hands. Like, why why do we try to be in control? Like, oh, we have to do this and that and that just to get the numbers. And like, yeah, it's it's fair that people criticize that then.
3: <laughs> you you mentioned your volunteer experience. Can you talk a little more about that? Because I, I don't know if you've seen it. I watched this BBC documentary on Hillsong, uh, God Goes Viral, I believe, something like that uh it, it was a documentary now. on hillsong i think in the oh, yeah. made in the past year one of the the things they emphasized is the volunteers and how a lot of the volunteers get burnt out at least in the documentary the ones they profiled they mm-hmm. put in a lot of hours it's almost like a full full-time job like they they profiled this i guess he was a youth pastor and if i remember right he wasn't getting paid at all it w- it was just full-time working like 40 plus hours a week as a youth pastor and he ended up quitting Like <laughs> at the end of the uh, spoilers at the end of the documentary he he left the church because he was it seemed like he was just so burnt out and he was feeling kind of taken advantage of almost hmm. mm-hmm. uh would you say that's a a common theme and maybe you can talk about your experience volunteering there
2: i yeah i know exactly what he's talking about i've seen it many times so there is truth to it um yeah, when you, there's always, <laughs> it's difficult, um, when you sign up to volunteer for any team, yeah, I mean, it's your, like, I, I would like to think so, um, uh, yeah, being so sucked in and you start having friendships and so on, and then they do emphasize also every service, like, serve on a team like they always say that actually in the beginning of every service they say oh hey guys like make sure you serve on team and they they emphasize that a lot which gets criticized often as well um And then okay how much is it your free decision or how much do you feel the obligation to that's a mix as well, but I myself back then really wanted to get into it more and wanted to serve and I just wanted to be part of the Community and just help growing. and for me, that was, yeah, I served in many different volunteer teams, not just one. I was part of the welcoming team. And then there was a similar team. Uh, I forgot the name, but it was like new co- ah, newcomer team. Ah, there you go. <laughs> newcomer team, where if people um, put up their hands, like at the end of... Um, then you are the ones that go up to them after the service and offer like offer them a Bible or offer guide them through the next steps. Basically, there was always a hangout after each service as well for the newcomers, the newcomer hangout. And you would invite them to there and you would walk every step with them like you would um, go as a group together and you were there a contact yeah and then you exchange numbers and also and so on and you say hey if you come again next week or you have any questions then get in touch with me Uh, i was part of that team (laughs) very quick rundown i was part of a team that was um taking care of like the behind the scenes for the pastors which was kind of like a managing team um we were like all the pastors before each sermon and they had like a little table behind the stage where there was like fresh water, any, any stuff they need. If they had a book they want to talk about that they are promoting that was on that table and flyers and prayer requests and, and so on, we had to prepare all of that. And um, we also had to give them like a list of, uh, for example, the songs that would uh, be played on that day. And yeah. <laughs> all the rundown of the service basically it was a service team and then the fourth one and i think final one now was the main one that i was mostly involved it's the broadcasting team so hillsong has um, well is broadcasting every sermon into their internal (laughs) ways internal well we had for example um special rooms for uh, mother with children, for example, they were not like in the main room and therefore they could not be present in the main uh, service. And therefore what we would do, we filmed the service and uh, live um, in the other rooms, what was going on the service. And then it was all recorded as well, just in case they want to use the service later for references or they want to put it onto the health channel. So Hillsong has a TV channel, Hillsong channel, and we would record, uh, we would record sermons for the TV channel as well. So this is all run by volunteers. (laughs) All of this. Yes, this is all non-paid. There are staff members uh, on each team, like, yeah, youth pastors or service leaders. It's not necessarily pastors, but there are team leaders that sometimes are on staff and that are managing uh, this specific team. And for that, they are on staff and they're getting paid for that. For example, broadcasting had, uh, because broadcasting is very big in Houston, Uh, They had multiple staff members, like directors, um, and they would manage uh, on Sundays and uh, throughout the week and so on, yeah. And uh, those staff members were the main ones that I often saw totally burned out. Now, did they get paid? Yes. I'm not going to talk about money. Yeah. But they, yeah, (laughs) they were totally overworked. And I often heard them, yeah, being tired and just yeah, complaining as well about just having no free time or not enough and being burned out. So yes, there were many instances where I heard that in all kinds of different teams. And I've seen people quitting as well due to that reason. One of our, back then in Hillsong London, one of our broadcasting um, leaders, um, who, by the way, are all trained professionals. Like they come from the industry. Like something like broadcasting, you really have to know like what you're doing, like how to operate a camera and how to like produce a show, direct the show. It's all very professional, actually, behind the scene. And all our leaders were from the professional area, like they were actual directors, like uh, TV directors, like past TV producers now changing their job to Hillsong and doing Hillsong Broadcasting. And yeah, there was uh, one uh, leader and she was a uh, previous, yeah, she had a bachelor's team, the all of that. And she worked for Hillsong a couple of years and then she felt so burned out and just so tired that she couldn't do it anymore. And she quit midway through when I was, and uh, I think she completely left the church. Actually, she didn't even mm. attend, like in... Mm. It was like in the middle way. I was at Hills London for one year and she quit midway through. And then after that, I only seen her once after that, visiting us once. Uh, but she said, yeah, she attends a smaller, more local uh, homey church Yeah, mm-hmm. now. Yeah. That's just one example. I was going to say, you, yeah.
3: uh, go ahead, Marshall.
1: No, I was just going to say quickly on the, I've never personally, uh, won't say attended. I guess I've gone to some large churches, but just being a member or you know a regular participant at a large church like that. Um, but even in all, I won't say all, but even in most of the smaller churches, you know, less than five hundred, less than hundred, you know, it has the same feel. It's just not as organized because it's not as many levels of of scale. But it's really interesting because I think a lot of times. Even for the small church that's you know a hundred people, it's trying to become that. <laughs> so you have the welcoming team. it only has two people on it, and you have the old uh, or the not the old what, what did you call the the newcomer team, but it's only one person, you know so it's it's the same kind of thing. It's just in a different in a different uh, scale, I guess mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting because I think there's maybe a a movement of churches that are trying to like not do that (laughs) but i think the majority of churches are trying to be like that um with the different parts and pieces
2: Mm -hmm. and the bigger the church uh, talked about it now in the past years i attended smaller churches as well and absolutely true i think i never walked into church where Yeah, that was not really the case, that there was really no one standing at the door welcoming you or so. Like there was always someone. (laughs) And even if it's the pastor himself, like sometimes it's the pastor themselves. They stand at the door and welcome everyone coming in. And there's not necessarily a complete negative thing. Like I said earlier, it depends, uh, yeah, how honest, how real is it? And yeah, the bigger uh, a church, the harder it gets to control all these things yeah, how mm. honest
3: it's its an interesting point that a lot of these churches it, it seems like they do have that same framework and they're trying to i guess to some extent a lot are trying to become mega churches i remember the church i went to in high school that was like their their mission you know they were under probably 200 or 300 members but the pastor had it in his mind that he wanted to grow the thing, like make it into a mega church. I don't know if there's like a guidebook that you buy or something like the, the, the formula to grow a church or teach you how to scale. But it, it it's interesting how some get massive and then others don't. So do you, Do you guys have any thoughts on why some succeed and why some
1: don't as far as, um, becoming global powerhouses? Well, in Hillsong's case, I think a lot of it has to do with the music. One of the things, some guys that came on to our show uh, probably a year or so ago had talked about something that I thought was interesting. and, And I, I see a lot in churches and they were saying that it used to be that people would join a church because of a belief. And then they would feel like they belong because they all believe the same thing. And the way that they put it, it seemed more recent. I don't know if this is recent or if churches have done this for a while, but the idea was that try to get people to belong first and then they get the belief, the shared common belief about things. And it seems like a lot of that is with whether it's Hillsong or whether it's just with, I think, non-denominational churches, at least the ones that I've experienced in, in the United States. Um, has a lot of that feel where it's like get involved we don't know we don't really care necessarily where you're at on your journey and in the sense we care but it's not like it doesn't matter like we don't need somebody who's got this you know theology degree or whatever to be a a person in the welcoming team we just want somebody who's excited about sharing the gospel um so it's that start of try to get people involved first and then you'll once you're around people a lot and you start to hear different things then you start to develop the beliefs and it seems like that's kind of your story jennifer as far as 100%. and i think yeah. a lot of people have that similar story because be, yeah just because that belonging is what what attracts people
2: mm-hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely and Hillsong, i think okay why you said right Hillsong is so big because um mm-hmm. but also um well at they do it so well to yeah welcome people in and get them involved, just exactly how you explained now. And you, I was in a place back then where well I had no one. I have no family. Mm. I have mother, father, and so on. So I live on my own. And then I had also not really a, a tight fa- um friend circle. So I was just doing life on my own. And what Hillsong offered to me and gave to me then, from the first moment I walked through there, generosity and just friendliness. And I thought, oh, this is like where I can find a group of people that are friendly and just there for you. And um, I wanted to be part of that. And like I said earlier, I'm not sure if I was saved on that very day, on the first day, but I knew that. Yeah, this is like a group of people that I feel comfortable with and I want to be part of. And that's where the journey started. Uh, where exactly I actually got saved? I cannot really tell you. It just was along the lines of where I think I grew into it. Yeah. Um, maybe a lot of people join like such... Um, because they do flee. Yeah, I think so. Many people that just feel like rejected from the general like, public or like, I don't know, came out of a bad relationship or, you know, when you're going through stuff and you just need someone to listen and be there for you. Hillsong always offered that to me and I think it does for many. You know? And again, like it, it's not all disgenuine genuine then. There are many people that truly care for you and are genuine. And you can open up, to, and they pray for you. And it's very genuine. And then there are some that are not. They are more calculative. And I met both. Uh, but because il song does offer this, yeah, like community type of feel, uh, many people want to join. Stay there. Yeah.
3: yeah that's, mm. It's something that's so so needed in today's world. I feel like mm-hmm. there's so many people, like you said, going through life alone or doing life alone that... Hillsong or any type of church knows how to fill that void in someone's Mm. life, even if it is a (sighs) bit manipulative. Just the fact that they can offer that service, that's a very Mm. valuable service and I see why it's so attractive Mm. to people.
2: And then you know <laughs> there are a lot of like videos and articles out there about Hillsong then calling Hillsong a cult for that for example mm. yeah not sure okay is Hillsong actually church or cult because it's not so sure okay how much is manipulative and cal- calculated and how much free will do you have in there um and then the lines are very blurred too many and I do understand that as well now from an outside point. While I was in Hillsong and uh, I was very aware of all these like cult rumors and so on, I totally rejected that. I was like, there's absolutely no way. I, I never questioned it. I was like, actually, people laugh about it. Like I, we were in groups and sometimes it was a conversation topic. Like, oh, did you see like that new YouTube video someone made about, oh, like Hillsong is like, satanic and blah blah and we would laugh about it and now from the outside perspective on hindsight again i'm like i'm shocked i'm like wow like you you didn't even i don't know like should you not have at least a little bit more and question it and this shows again a little bit something there's in common with cults because cult members also completely reject this kind of idea they're like they're so sucked into it that anything from the outside like criticism you're like <laughs> nah <laughs> and you laugh about it so even I now that I was in Hillsong I was so involved when someone asked me now okay is Hillsong church or cult and I made a video on that my channel too I cannot give you a hundred percent clear answer hmm. which is surprising to myself um, I think really not just for his song for many mega churches and also small churches the lines are very blurry nowadays because it is so organized and how much should the church be so organized like a company like it's but how much is too much then. I mean yeah. I'm,
3: in, I'm interested in how you would define a cult
2: Beca- because
3: what you described yeah just now does sound a, a bit cultish.
2: Yeah, in my video, where I talked about it, it more explicitly. At the like, I I said I think most likely because I cannot define it hundred percent. Hillsong, song, I would say, hill song is a church with cult like tendencies, which mm-hmm. is very vague. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit shocking that the lines are so blurred nowadays between church and cult. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the way it's- I've heard it described is there's usually a charismatic leader mm. who Check. is intentionally trying to exploit his or her members for their own gain would, well would you all many, agree many with would that
2: say that about like brian houston and so on with the we don't know what is like the angle or what is going on really it's like when it comes to the high up leadership yeah mm. um but like charismatic leaders that's what people often mainly point out yeah, with the mega churches that there's always a very charismatic pastor on stage, someone that's very flashy and loud. Like for me, it was Carl who catched my eye and why? Because he was so charismatic and that's what caught my attention. And that's why I wanted to be part of this whole thing. Define that as a cult then. Yeah. I didn't join at first. I didn't walk into the church and join because I wanted to follow Christ and I was curious about God. No, it was actually, oh, this pastor looks cool. He's handsome. Um, I see myself in that church because of that, not because of Jesus. And shouldn't stand a church for, oh, we represent Jesus alone. And we bring people into our church because they feel like we represent Jesus. But for Hillsong or charismatic churches, it's like, oh, they have these flashy lights and cool music and cool pastors people are curious because of that not because of.
1: it all depends upon which level you decide to choose it at because I- i've heard the same thing about the charismatic leader there's even the bible verse where somebody's talking about like apollos and they're like who's apollos like we know paul and we know jesus but who's apollos or who are you but uh, th- so if you if you stop it you know Brian Houston, or in Calvary Chapel where I came from, like the person who started that was Chuck Smith, and so people talk about Chuck Smith, and then there's all these different people. But what's funny is you could call any of those cults because they sort of reference back to a one person or, or you know, maybe a couple people. But then if you level that up, it's you could say the whole thing's a cult because it's all everybody talks about Jesus. Like, well, who's this Jesus guy? You know, he's just another level. So. It depends upon how but, far outside you are. But you know Jesus I mean? wasn't <laughs> trying to exploit but you. But Jesus is God he wasn't
2: himself. Try- <laughs> yeah. Well, and
1: that, that's the argument, though, is like you have to figure out what do you mean by exploit? Because people within, let's say, Calvary Chapel don't think that Chuck Smith was trying to exploit people. People within Christianity don't think that Jesus was trying to exploit people. But there's plenty of people who are out there like, yeah, Jesus was trying to exploit people. <laughs>
3: Well, how so like exploit to me yeah, means oh. there's like bad <laughs> intentions manipulative intentions mm. like they're trying to like the vo- mm. what you're describing with the volunteers like uh get a a labor force yeah, yeah. and not pay them anything that seems like exploitation um forcing people or um what's the word um like trying to get people to tithe and to the point where it's uncomfortable for them I, I i guess um anything like that that seems exploit exploitative and then yeah, yeah. like
2: what is the exploitation only when someone's kind of like for it and mm-hmm. and not if you're doing it like for the free will like that's the excuse uh, yeah that's why the church is it. like they just keep on bringing it up but they always say well yeah we mentioned it but i mean there's can or cannot right. yeah
1: and a lot of the churches are stronger because it's volunteers because if it was all paid staff who was welcoming people, then we'd see right through it. When we walk through the doors, we'd be like, well, that's their job to welcome me. Mm-hmm. But when it's a, a normal person, <laughs> you know, when it's just normal people like us, they were like, oh, yeah, I do this because I want to. That's a really powerful motivator for people who are joining and part people who are already part of it. We You look around and you're like, everybody's doing this because we want to, not because mm-hmm. we are getting paid. And even the people who are on staff often aren't getting paid a lot of money, you know, like, like maybe it's a livable income, maybe not, maybe it's like below minimum wage. Somehow there's like sort of these gray lines of, you know, um, but the, the, the real driver isn't, I would, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but in many cases, even at the very top top, it's not about the money so much as it is about the influence and the prestige and the things that you can get because you have connections to Justin Bieber or whoever else, you know, that's, yeah. that's part of your, your network
3: power over money.
1: Yeah, exactly. No. Mm, no.
3: Speaking of money, <laughs> did you feel any type of like coercion to, to tie their, uh, anything like that?
2: I personally not know they stress it a lot yeah of course every service but again like you don't have to and no one asks you like how much did you give this week or whatever like it's not like that they say it in every service they have a particular like 10 minute time where they talk about it and they usually quote the same over and over bible verses for that to make people give but no one needs to like you're not and then again, people that criticize that say, "Well, the more often you hear something, it's like psychology. The more often you hear something over and over again, you kind of get coerced into it because you just keep on hearing it, keep on hearing it, and therefore you start believing, it's like that." Yeah. yeah, I
3: think with some of the cults you hear about, it's more explicit. Like, okay, it's time to hand over 50% of your your income or half your life savings or whatever
2: mm-hmm. to
3: to be to to be a part of this community. Mm, there was
2: nothing like that. No, I, for that, I can stand like no one forces you to give anything or so. Like it's mm-hmm. totally free and it's totally up to you to, yeah, do that or not. Never felt that pressure.
3: Yeah. We, would you say a lot of the members were transitory? Like they only stayed for maybe a, a year or less? Or were there a lot of people who were there for like, the, all their life or? 10 years plus, it's, 15 years plus.
2: Mm, it's very much a mixture. Yeah, very, very mixed. I would say almost say a 50-50. There are people that are around very long and they bring their children in later on and so on. But then there are many like me that stay there for like a year or two and then move on from there. If it's staff or just attendee or volunteering, yeah, or pastors even, yeah, so pastors leave. That's
1: kind of cool because I think you mm-hmm. hear at least in the United States or the people that I talk to the stereotype is that really large churches there's no accountability you go there nobody knows who you are and it's just people who go once every 3 months and whatever and i i kind of from what i understand of it it seems like it is more like you're saying there's there's like that at every church probably maybe less so on really really small churches but yeah it seems like there are still those those people who are Oh, like you said, bringing their kids <laughs> 20 mm-hmm. years later.
2: Very mixed. Absolutely. Like mm-hmm. there were many people that, yeah, I saw every week and we greeted each other. And I, um, and then there were newcomer faces all the time. It's very mixed now. Yeah. There's no particular. And then oh, back to the volunteer thing, you know, I talked about the staff members like leaving or being burned out. Volunteering. Again, like you sign up for it because you want to do it, and um, it's up to you also, like how much you want to volunteer. And uh, same with the money, like I was never really pressured into. Okay, you have to do this amount of mon- uh, hours, or you have to serve this Sunday. Uh, that like there's no pressure. You do it because you say, "Hey guys, I'm available. Uh, if you need me, let me know." And uh, yeah, that's all very free and yes these hours can be very long for example the christmas spectacular which is huge in london i served there on camera and we were short on camera volunteers because it's a very particular volunteer activity like you have to be able to operate a camera and yeah like get the logistics behind it um and We were very short on stuff when it comes to there. So the volunteers, us, we had to serve like all day long. We were needed. Yeah. And but we didn't complain about it. We didn't say, oh, how can you make us like work like this? And this is like slave work. We were there. Okay, like church needs us and we want to put this up for our fellow believers, for our You know, brothers and sisters, when we we want to make this great, so we want, um, so we are there for the church by volunteering because they need us, Um, and especially when it comes to broadcasting, you are the one that captures the moment that goes on, uh, that goes out uh, on YouTube live stream, for example, the Christmas spectacular, the London goes out on YouTube live stream, and it goes out onto the Hillsong channel, then so it reaches even more people that are already in the. stadium at that moment which are about twenty thousand people but then beyond that like you capture the moment and uh, you are part of that and with that you choose to do this so yes we were volunteering for about 20 hours straight with like one hour lunch break (laughs) yes very long hour and it's crazy and at the end of the day you were tired but you were happy you were happy to be part of it and like wow i was part of this huge thing and again like where is the manipulation then okay because obviously they tell you like to motivate you like they have some motivational speeches beforehand like the team leaders that try to motivate the team like okay guys let's come on let's do this and we are we are doing this for like god's glory and to grow the church and to Save non-believers and get the message out there about Jesus, and this is how you kind of also, yeah, get coerced into it. Like, yes, like I'm part of this huge thing, and it's this sense of belonging that you talked about earlier. And when you have this sense, like, oh, this is my purpose, I belong here, then you are willing to do much more than maybe you thought before. Yeah, it has a lot to do with like psychology.
3: This is this might be speculate, or I'm probably asking you to speculate. But I feel like the natural question is: Do you think there is some agenda from the higher ups to do all this for for money, or, or yeah, with with bad intentions, or or do you think underlying all of it, it is it is to spread the 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 gospel?
2: Well, the high higher ups would be like Brian Houston and Bobby Houston. I think back in the day, they did not start the whole thing to you know get rich or like make money or perceive believers i I do think they generally think because of yeah their love for Christ and wanting to yeah lead a church and bring people to Christ. I do think they they are genuine about that, and then along the way, as growing and growing and growing and the bigger the whole thing gets, it's just hard to yeah control everything. Like every campus has their own leaders then, and yes, there are certain manuscripts that are supposed to be followed. Like when it comes to services, like first worship and then uh, tithing, and like all these manuscripts. And there are also rules <laughs> that needs to be followed um what you can say and what not and you know especially for like higher ups like team and how to treat people yeah there are retreats for that where they uh, teach for especially team leaders and so on there's definitely this organ- organized thing going on but ultimately i do think it is genuine about church and not about oh we want money we want to be rich like where why like if you think about that okay why like just to be rich like I it's a bit okay where's the purpose behind that like I'm missing the okay what the reason behind that why would someone do that like what is the reason why would someone start a church and say oh I want to get rich I'm going to start a church it's like I can't see that and I don't see that in in the leadership of Hillsong yeah
3: yeah that's fair Probably
0: quicker ways to make money, I think. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely playing the long game
3: there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: like, on the off chance that this is uh, like real or something. <laughs> yeah. Hmm.
2: But, yeah, speculations. Uh, we don't know their hearts. Yeah, No one knows. I mean, only God knows the heart of someone.
3: So, uh, I guess, uh, what, what was the catalyst that That got you to uh, decide to switch churches or leave leave Hillsong, I should say.
2: Mm, There were many things leading up to it because I noticed, especially at Hillsong Australia, in London, not so much, but in Australia, again, every Hillsong campus has quite a different feel to it. It really depends which campus you end up. Like different people, as different pastors. Like Hillsong London, Hillsong UK in general. I did not just attend the main in Lo- uh, the main one in London. I multiple campuses. Uh, but then going to Australia, where actually Hillsong comes from, like that's where the big campus, like the original one, is where Brian Houston is based as well. And most there, the feeling and the operations are quite different <laughs> than, for example, in the UK and in London. It is very right. different. And there in Australia, I noticed, like throughout my year there, every now and then things that I just could not look over anymore. And I just questioned, okay, wait, like this is not biblical, what they're doing here, that, that I cannot justify this. And there were multiple instances with that. So that was already boiling up within me, like this question. And I brought these things up every now and then to others in church, leaders or volunteer colleagues or friends. And I always had kind of the same response. Like it just got shook off. Like, um, you know, it was not really up for discussion. Really. You were kind of left alone with it. If you question something, you got to do it yourself. Just talk it out with yourself. (laughs) Like, Mm between you and god like just figure it out yourself like someone else in church will not discuss it with you unless you end up meeting a person that has the same doubts like you which i never did in my time in his song not no one was openly hmm. as critical as me at that time again now i have people that left the church by now as well later on but during sorry, my time, sorry to interrupt but, but
1: mm. can you how did you because at that point you had only been to Hillsong churches, right? Mm. Is that accurate? So how did you have you always just been like that where you question things or how did you get to that point where you question things when nobody else around you was?
2: <sighs> there were just some things that were so obvious. Obviously, I was reading my own like Bible, my Bible time, and I did not just hear all the songs or I did mm. not just hear all the Bible verses from his song. Like I was doing my own study and my own like research and I had my own relationship with God and like prayer and asking him things. Many people describe it often as growing in faith and and along your journey, you start to think more critical maybe and you, you just start to see, okay, what is what is biblical here and what not? I can I can give one example. Like there were just some things that were really obvious to me at least. Uh, maybe you you think different. I give you one example. I was well Hillsong has Hill, Hillsong College in Australia, and I did attend Hillsong College. Although I was not an official signed up student, the doors are most of times open, and you can for example attend like college chapel, which they have every week as well. And one week again, once again, I attended Hillsong Chapel, which was for the students, like those were Bible college students, and it was a service going on for them and there was uh, yeah one pastor, a woman a female pastor um on stage, and yeah, worship going on like a regular basically service, worship going on, and then a preach and then at some point, the the female pastor said okay guys so we're going to do prophecy now so every one of you guys get up and search yourself like look for a target and prophesy something over them and i was sitting there i was like hold on wait a minute wait you cannot tell someone okay you go to this person now and you prophesy over them something just something like this is, this is not how it works. You cannot tell someone to get up and prophesy. Like either someone has a prophecy, yeah, or not. Like, but you cannot tell someone to do that. It's totally disgenuine, and, and I felt so awkward and weird in that moment because I, for me, it was so fabricated and fake in that moment. I, I, I it upset me so much that I stood up and i wanted to walk out of the room immediately and while i wanted to walk out actually one girl came up to me and and said oh hold on wait i want to tell you something and started telling me the most basic things that you learn oh you know like uh, god is going to do great things in your life he's going to bless you greatly and you're going to do this and that and i'm like this is like the most basic answer you could tell this (laughs) Everyone. There was nothing like specific about it. That is only for me. Yeah. Why? Because it was not an honest prophecy. It was just you go up and you go tell this person. It was so disgenuine and it upset me so much and I didn't understand. Wait, this is happening in a church that I attend and and no one quest- no one around me questioned it. They all stood up like puppets and did what they've been told. And I was the only one that just wanted to get out of there and just shake this like yeah. fakeness off me. Yeah. I, I I found it horrendous. And once this girl was done with her speech, with all the you know, okay, take that blessing. Yeah, take that. You're gonna be great. Yeah, take that. I was like, ah, eh, okay, thank you. Turned around and walked out of there. And yeah. I think that was the last time I attended a Bible church, uh, Bible chapel. And those were Bible students. Yeah, not regular church attendees and stuff. Like these were students of Hillsong College. And that was one of the biggest turns for me, where I really, really started questioning Hillsong because this, this did not add up. you you felt like
1: you felt like they should have had more um what would you say like they they would have had more like knowledge about it or or like you just felt like some of them would have been more in position to be like wait a minute this isn't what we believe
2: yeah but also like i was mostly disappointed about the leadership i didn't understand Mm. why the pastor was telling people oh you go to a person now like why did they teach that to people like you you can't like not just even teaching, like just why do you tell people that like just up there from your stage and you're just commanding people to do this now? Like it's not how it works. So I was like, why is this pastor like teaching these Bible students? This, this is totally wrong. Like this is not how it works. They obviously have no idea what prophecy is, <laughs> it's like how prophecy works. Uh, but those are, like, leaders, and they are teaching this to people, to the next generation. Like, mainly these Bible call students are all very young. Like, they were, like, teens or young adults. I'm like, why do they teach it? Like, this is not how it works. This is wrong. Yeah, it's just this, this genuine behavior. And there were other instances as well where I saw, like, just this genuine behavior. And I said earlier, like, Hillsong is a mix. There are many very honest people, and I was one of them. Like, my heart was, I can say my heart was always at the right place. I was there because, yeah, I was on on fire for uh, God, and I wanted to be part of this movement kind of thing. Like, you know, we're going to spread the gospel, and people are going to fall in love with Jesus. And there are many really genuine people with a good heart, but then there are just things especially yeah in the leadership often I saw that just I couldn't look over anymore like this one example like nah this is not biblical it's not right you can't teach this to people it's wrong teaching false teaching
3: so after that did you just never look back and and leave no
2: I can't no I kept attending (laughs) um there was midway through through australia uh my time in australia i was in australia one year and that happened like midway through and then like instances built up more happened like i just yeah i never while i was in australia i never completely left because in hillsong you're so sucked into the community it's very hard to get out Mm -hmm. even if you do not agree with everything they do and even if you see things that are not biblical and you know this is false teaching and it's not right you still don't leave why because your all your friends go to church. Uh, you, you're serving you're volunteer you know so many people like my whole social life and as I said earlier before Hillsong Church I have no family I had no real friends I was living life alone and I did not want to go back to that life I, I, Hillsong was my family at that point. They were there for me and I felt safe. And again, it's a wrong reason to stay in a church. Yeah, you you should walk into a church because you think they represent Jesus. They preach the gospel. Uh, And then you should stay there for the same reason. Yeah, but I stayed for the community and for the people, although I knew there's something. Like there's some things going on that are not biblical and are not correct, and I still stayed i i It was not like I had something lined up, you know, like a job lined up in Korea, and I went there because of my job or something like that. No, I just freely went here basically as a tourist and I just wanted to explore the the country and see where, yeah, some of my best friends came from, and this is how I ended up here. And things turned out uh, that I got a job offer while I was here. I I got a job, and therefore I got like a job visa, and so on. Like I just ended up building my life here, and um, that is what got me out of Hillsong. I was kind of like I say, like God pushed me out of it. I I see it like that. Like He, I don't want to say saved me from this whole thing, but a little bit, like I myself couldn't do it. I couldn't, I myself, although I had so many doubts and I questioned so many things, I couldn't live by myself. Yeah, because I was so into the community. But then um, I came to a country where Hillsong does not exist. They are not here in Korea. Hillsong does not have a branch here. So therefore I kind of like was left without my family, which was Hillsong. And then I had to learn to start doing my life alone again Mm -hmm. um, in the best way possible. I ended up loving, falling in love with this country. And it's the best thing that could have happened. And it happened also exactly before the pandemic. Like that happened Mm -hmm. at the end of 2019. And about three months later, it all started. Yeah. And yeah, I kind of like I was forced to... Li- doing life on my own again but yeah in the best way possible like enjoying it and loving it not the same way like before how I was before Hillsong uh, where I felt just lonely and uh, just didn't want to be alone it was just not a great time in my life and then kind of like getting into Hillsong back then it kind of like saved me in that part of myself like with this loneliness But then coming to Korea, I was in a different position. I went through so much. I had God with me now. I was saved and I trusted God. And also because of that, I didn't feel so lonely as I did before. Like now I don't feel this loneliness anymore that I had before. Now I know even though, yes, I sit in my apartment alone and I still have no family and like no siblings or whatever. It's like, yeah, but I'm not alone, like, God's got me, like, he's with me, and I have someone to talk to, and I can't feel safe, and before that, I didn't have the safety, this peace that I have within me now. Um, So whenever I talk about my time at Hillsong, I'm very, like, torn into two pieces. One piece, I'm so grateful and thankful for everything because it's part of my journey like who I am mm-hmm. now and that I am so close to God now Hillsong is a re- because of that yeah positively and negatively they showed me they introduced me to Christ and to the Bible and <laughs> to whole Christianity but then they also showed me things that were not right and this whole criticizing questioning things I learned through them as well then, because I saw things that I was like, oh, this is not biblical, hold on. And I started questioning things myself because I saw them myself. And and that grew me in my faith as well then. So that definitely part of my journey. I'm very thankful for that. Uh, Yeah, but at the same time now, I'm very openly and happily answer questions and talk about uh, yeah. The false things that teach, um, that song does and just things that are wrong and maybe disgenuine genuine and, you know, um, I think yeah. thank
3: um, I think it takes tremendous courage to do what you did to, to like leave your family and leave your community. And I think your experience is, I'm sure it's shared by a lot of people. And maybe we, you just don't recognize it because a lot of people, have those same experiences, but they are too afraid to to speak up about it. Do you have any um, advice to people who might find themselves in the same situation as you found yourself trying to voice uh, feedback, constructive feedback and not being listened to, and then finding yourself in a position where kind of are on the fence about leaving. And if you leave, you're you're saying goodbye to your entire mm-hmm. like so like you said, social life, community, mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. like all these things that have you've become involved in. Do you have any advice to somebody who's in that situation?
2: Well, now it's exactly two years I'm away from his song and I was exactly part of his song for two years. So it's two two. Um and Like the best thing that can happen is to distance yourself and start changing your thinking to more of like an outsider. How do you see from an outside perspective? You don't have to completely leave a church to do that, but maybe try to just pull yourself a little bit out of it without completely having to leave it. Just see how you feel. When you see it from more of an outsider perspective, just test the waters a little bit, mm. yeah, because mm. when you're in something like this, if you're in it, then your your thoughts and like it's just all I don't want to say manipulated, but you are in this group, and you just see it from the inside, And often then, when voices from the outside want to criticize something, or you yourself, it just gets tucked down upon from others or from yourself as well. Um, but then when you try, okay, let me just take a step back, sit back and try to see it from an outside perspective. Um, then often your opinions and thoughts change. You need to get out of it. it. Not You don't have to completely remove yourself immediately. It's a big step and it's hard. But yeah, be open to Critical thinking and to critics also from the outside, outside voices.
3: Well um, Yeah, yeah, that was well said. It probably a a lot easier to say than do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I again, I'm very grateful and thankful, and I thank God that moved me from it. I think that plays a part of what the like things happen for a reason. For me, it just ended up being like, yeah, God saw that I couldn't do it myself. And therefore he stepped in and uh, yeah, of course, everything I said before, like try to, you know, see from an outside perfect perspective and so on um, throughout the whole process, keep on praying and talking to God and asking for advice. And yeah, that's, I mean, that shouldn't need to be said. Yeah, that's <laughs> <is> first. <laughs> And um, throughout that whole process, I was praying to God and asking him, God, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I can't leave on my own. Like, this is I don't know, like, do you want me to stay here or not? Like, I specifically prayed that I asked this question over and over and over again, because at the end of my one year Australia visa experience, I actually I went to Australia to decide if I want to go to Hillsong College as a student and want to study there or not. And within that one year, God constantly showed me things and I saw things that just didn't add up and were not biblical. So at the end of this year, I asked God, "Okay, this is it now. This is the final days. What do you want me to do now? Like, I've been here a year now. Do you want me to study? That was my decision back then. Do you want me to study at Hillsong College? Should I be a student there, or yeah, am I moving on and going somewhere else, going to Korea? And I specifically asked that over and over again. God, like, what should I do? Like, what is what is your plan? What do you want me to do? Yeah, he ended up sending me to Korea. He remained, yeah. and at the very like only a couple of days before, no, like about a week before. Um, I decided to go to Korea. That was the final decision maker. After all these things, and I couldn't leave by myself, and I couldn't make a decision, and I kept praying about it. Um, I think God answered my prayer by like, putting the final <laughs> stamp on it. By um, There was a Hillsong College opening day. They do that, I think, twice a year or so. And um, it's an opening day where you can actually attend as a student. You can be part of uh, classes during the whole day and experience it as a student. So you can decide, do you want to be a student there? And I did that. That was like my final, okay, I got to make a decision now. This is it. I'm going to attend this opening day and be there as an actual student and see how how it is. And that whole day, it's just it was so off putting, and there were so many red flags from teachings to leaders seeming extremely disgenuine, just in general, how they talked to you and how they kind of like wanted to sell you a product. And at the end of the day, I was like, this whole day was just so manufactured. I do not want to go to this college. Mm. There's no way. This is not the right thing for me. This is not God's call. Yeah, mm. this is not right. And so that was like a final thing where I said, "Okay, um, maybe somewhere else." Yeah. And uh, so God answers prayer always. Uh, yeah, that's how I end up.
3: Yeah, just increasing awareness, being aware of mm. what's going on. It's, sounds like that was super mm. important. Your
2: awareness, uh, and yeah, yeah, while praying through it those two things yeah, awareness
3: and praying through it mm. Mm. uh, so how did you choose the church you're at now? Did it take a long time to transition into that? Did you church hop a lot, or was it just like you walked in and fell in love with the place?
2: Uh, church culture in Korea is very different. It's a whole different story. <laughs> um I'm in a church now that's It's difficult. Obviously, like, like I said, the pandemic started just a couple months after I came here. And Korea has been very strict when it comes to churches. Um, They pretty much been shut down and closed the whole time since the whole last two years. They are allowed to open since a couple weeks now again, but that might change from next week again. Um, I heard in America is a bit more, I think in America, are the churches open? Like, can you? I think most
1: churches are back to being open. There was definitely a contingency of churches who were like, we're going anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) American rights. It was a big deal. (laughs) still is a big deal. But Mm -hmm. I think most churches are back to some form of in-person meeting.
2: Okay. Yeah, I think Korea was all a bit stricter. And in the beginning, the first three months, I went to many different churches and tried all kinds of different ones, like different denominations. Yeah, like international ones and more Korean ones and bigger ones, smaller ones. I tried many different ones. And just out of all I've tried, uh, the one I'm still with now just felt to me biblical and yeah, also welcoming. Like welcoming part is a part of church. I mean, if you walk into church and you don't feel welcomed, even if they preach the gospel perfectly, you're sitting there awkwardly and thinking, but mm." (laughs) <laughs> but which would be uh, weird anyway, because if someone really preaches the gospel properly, then feel that yeah, feel awkward. Um, yeah, that's why I stick to that church. Is do I think it's perfect and great and all good? No, like there are some things that I question too. I just critical thinking is always great, and also being aware there's no perfect church out there, yeah, you will always. Uh, I believe there's no perfect, when a group of people and especially the larger the people, the larger the group of people comes together, there's always some sort of conflict that stuff going on. It's just natural. We are all humans, we are people and we have conflict. So it can't like as long as humans, uh, regular humans that are sinners attending churches, a church is not perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the church I'm with now, um, yeah, I'm most comfortable with and I think they are the most biblical. So I stick with them out of all. The ones.
3: Uh, that's cool. That's great. Well, we we know it's late where you are, so we can we can wind down here. Uh, <laughs> Before we go, why don't you tell everybody about your YouTube channel, what you're trying to do with it and and uh, where where people can find you?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to sell anything or whatever. <laughs> uh, as I said, like my YouTube channel is Gen Z's world, if anyone wants to check it out, then of course you're welcome. Um, we talked about it a little bit before uh, before we started the podcast, like chit chatting that, yeah with my youtube too i just i started it because i was hoping to just reach people out there yeah especially nowadays where we are very confined and uh, mm. <laughs> it's hard to connect uh yeah offline i think online is a great way to yeah connect with people and um, i don't know just trying to help others trying to Find like-minded people where, yeah, you can have like open discussion. I don't know <laughs> it's. I try to be as real and honest um, with everything I do, and that includes the channel. Yeah, whatever I put on there, um, if it's my like faith-related videos or just my simple everyday Korea, like life in Korea um there's nothing like fabricated uh, about it I try to be as real as possible and sometimes that might be yeah boring content or whatever I don't upload anything thinking oh ha-, like this is popular right now like I'm mm-hmm. gonna get clicks with this like this is I'm gonna get subscribers with this and that's <sighs> now <laughs> a Christ- as Christians like if you go on about life like that I hope like you understand this is not what we called to to do. Like how to live our lives. Like your heart is not very, not at the right place. If you if that's your intention about something, what do you do? Like because you want to get fame out of it, or. Hmm. yeah it always should come from an honest place and i always try to do that with my yeah youtube as well like just never fall into that trap of trying to reach certain numbers or whatever put like your honest and just real work out there yeah thank you guys that's why i was happy to be part of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) to just openly talk and have an honest talk and there's nothing like that you cannot say or like you have to be careful here and there and it's just a talk between people on a stock and we need more content like that so, like nowadays i hope we all agree on social media it's a little bit mm. hard to find like realness
3: uh, It's a, it's yeah, a good message for... I, I get caught up in that so thank you for the reminder you know like oh what's going to get the most clicks what will what, 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 what will attract people to the podcast you know it's a it's a fine line because you want to grow and you want people to find you, but you also, like you're saying, you want to be genuine and you want to come from a good place.
2: Mm, yeah, maybe, hey, um that's what we talk about everything today about the churches too. I, I do think many, you know, start from a genuine heart and then you just get caught up. We are just humans and we are sinners and our heart often just wants worldly things and like because it looks glamorous or like it's desirable to us and and then you have to like fight back you you gotta it's a constant war going on, yeah spirit flesh, and mm-hmm. uh, that's part of it, and that affects like churches and us um, yeah mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah
3: thank you very much for 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 coming on. It's a very interesting story. Uh,
2: thank you for having me. Yeah, it was great. I never talked like so much <laughs> um with others about all of this. And I never shared actually uh, some of the things that I talked about today. I shared a lot of my YouTube, but for example, like things that I noticed that I disagreed or so. Mm-hmm. Today was the first time I talked about it.
1: Yeah, thanks for thanks for being open about it. That's of course what we're thanks trying to listening. do here yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you to the audience. Appreciate all of you. If you guys have any questions or feedback, uh, you know where to reach us. Our email's in in the show notes, so just get in touch. And with that being said, we'll see you next time on Cucumber Talks, where all beliefs get to be heard.